feel the heat of the game. The crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache. And the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk. Listen, as I said, Rangers would be delighted to get away with a point. Scott Brown uh, approaching Glenn Kamara I thought was an absolute touch of class. When you've got a top goalkeeper, for me, they're worth 15, 18 points a season. On Scott Brown, away from that gesture, he should be given a new contract. Any Celtic fans that, that say differently are being stubborn or they're deluded. Down easy, yellow card, gone with the game. The Goal Radio Football Show. With OPC Energy Limited. Hosted by Rob McLean, Stephen Cregan, and Marvin Bartley. Call now and voice your opinion 0808 17 17 700 Let's go, 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 go Every week's a crazy week in Scottish football so we shouldn't be too surprised that the Scotland national team is warming up for the Euros by starting their qualification bid for the next World Cup finals or that tonight sees the completion of the second round of the Scottish Cup at a time when we should have known who was in the semi-finals. Uh, but there are some wee clubs tonight, Crags, with big incentives for what might happen next. Well, they are. There's a couple of tasty ties waiting to happen. There's the Bucky Thistle against Inverness. I think the winner will play Ross County away, so there's a potential of a Highland Derby. Um, you know, it's, it's been frustrating for the likes of Brewer Rangers who, who who haven't played, I think, since before Christmas, the 19th of December. Yeah. So it's going to be a huge ask for guys like that. But ultimately, you know, they just want to play football and let's hope that there's some, some exciting results tonight. The Scottish football headline writers have been granted their wish with Aberdeen's appointment today of Stephen Glass as their new manager. Will it be Glass half full or half empty uh, for the Aberdeen fans? Will Celtic skipper Scott Brown be part of the new management team? Marvin Bartley doesn't care who's in charge at Pataudry as Livingston chase down Aberdeen for a fourth place Premiership finish. Could it happen, Marv? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we're, we're going into the next five games really with a an attitude of let's let's see how many points we can get and, and hopefully close the gap on Aberdeen. Um, obviously, we get to play them as well, which will hopefully be down to like a six-pointer. So we can definitely do it. We believe we can do it. So uh, we'll see where we are in the end, well, middle of May. It's Marvin Bartley, it's Stephen Craig and it's Rob McLean on the Tuesday edition of the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited, the three of us and your calls to come over the next couple of hours in the conversation. We'll go here, there and mm. everywhere. Sometimes we've got no great control over it. One thing we do know today is that uh, Aberdeen have... Uh, sorted out their managerial vacancy uh, two weeks after the departure of Derek McInnes and we did wonder if we were going to be waiting till the end of the season uh, to find out uh, who they were going to get but it's pretty much the name that came up first of all isn't it Stephen Glass who's currently in charge of the Atlanta United B team in the USA former Aberdeen player of course uh, knows the chairman Dave Cormack very well uh, and Marv he's going to be the man in charge and uh, what do you think the reaction is going to be to that? I think the fans will, will be happy um, you know it's, it's a name that they know and as he said you know from the start he was he was always linked with it um, my cousin actually played out there against his team um, he plays in, in the same league and he says they're a total football playing team 
So um, I asked him what, what the Aberdeen fans could expect and he said if it, anything like their team then you know they'll play from the back, they'll split their look to play and, and they're very, very attacking. Um, I think that's something that Aberdeen fans have been calling out for a while. Um, Derek McInnes obviously had his own style of play which was very, very different. Um, you know, you can't argue with his record which was absolutely brilliant but I think you know him going was just basically down to they wanted to change a change style of play. I mean, when you're not getting results and not scoring enough goals when you are just sitting behind the ball and trying to counter-attack you know, I think your, your days are always numbered. Does does the reaction to this appointment, Crags, hinge on who Stephen Class is going to bring in mm. with him? Um, because obviously, right from the start when this story was first floated, it was Stephen Glass and the man he played with at Hibs for a couple of years, Scott Brown, leaving Celtic to become a player assistant manager. Yeah. And also there was talk of Alan Russell, the, the England strikers coach who's Scottish, uh, coming to join the party as well. It sounds an exciting trio when you put it that way. But ultimately, you know, there's not an awful lot of managerial experience on the front line, Rob, when you look at it. I think Stephen Glass had 19 games in charge of Atlanta, a team, and they won five out of the 19. Um, listen, every appointment you make is a risk, but I just think it's an even bigger risk when it's somebody's first job because you've nothing to gauge how they've been previously. So it's a little bit of the unknown. Um, I think all eyes will be on Dave Cormack because he's the chairman of the club. He wanted to make his own appointment. He's made his own appointment. So he's put himself out there a little bit as well. You know, He's put his head above water and people will now be there uh, to have a pop at him if it doesn't work out for him. So it's... Um, it's the name you said it that was linked right from the start. It hasn't changed. It hasn't really, uh, you know, you know, got away from that. Dave Cormack spoke last week, didn't he, and said, "No, no, it, you know, we will interview a lot of people. We'll make sure we do due, uh, due diligence. It'll take as long as it wants." And a week later, Stephen Glass, who yeah. we all thought yeah. was going to be yeah. there in the first place. So, yeah, it's a risk. But there's a big turnover of players at Aberdeen this summer. I think a lot of clubs have that coming up and you look at the likes of Celtic and you look at Kilmarnock, I think even Motherwell, there's you know, lots of turnover. I don't know what the players are like at, at Livingston Marvel, there's a big turnover of players. So for Stephen Glass to come in with his first job, um, not know an awful lot about Scottish football in the last few years. Of course, we all know Scottish football, um, you know, probably watches, but knowing what goes on underneath, the players needed to come in to make Aberdeen better. It's a big job. There's a lot of big decisions to be made. So lots of risks attached to it. And the only way Stephen Glass will uh, alleviate those risks is win football games we're going to talk Scotland in a sec and we're going to obviously talk more um, about maybe summer upheaval at Livingston and everywhere else in, in Scottish football in terms of uh, players out of contract players ins players outs but Marv the, the one big question that I guess is screaming out to a lot of people uh, tonight listening to this is will Scott Brown be leaving Celtic well I think you know, if, if Stephen Glass does move for Scott Brown, I think it would be a, a very, very good move. Um, as Craig's touched on there, he's not been in and around the Scottish game himself um, recently. And Scott Brown is a man who's in the thick of things. You know, he's out there on the pitch and obviously watches a lot of Scottish football, doing an analysis and stuff that Celtic will be doing on other teams. You know, who know a lot of players. Um, you know, if I was the Aberdeen manager and, and Scott Brown was interested in being my assistant, I would, I would definitely be taking him. Um, you know, I think he has an awful lot to offer on the pitch still. But I think what he'll be able to offer off the pitch and the kind of the mentoring side and the respect he'll instantly, you know, grab from the players, I think will be absolutely key to, to any Aberdeen manager going forward, especially when you're a new manager. Yeah, there'll be a mixed response, I would imagine, about Scott Brown. Well, maybe uh, if you're listening and you've got a, a view about Scott Brown, you might want to see the back of him. You might want him to get a new contract at Celtic. You might see him as very much part of the way forward for Celtic in terms of the rebuild. Uh, so get in touch with us. Uh, let us know what you think about that. 0808 17 17 700. Let's talk to Ryan in Perth, who's a St. Johnston fan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. You must be delighted. Uh, a League Cup and a top six finish. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't have said that at the start of the season anyway, but here we are, further down the line, a cup win and the top six. Can't complain. But you want to talk about Scotland, don't you? What's your What's your point, Ryan? Yeah, I think I think um, uh, Ryan Jack now. I think it's it just paves the way open now for David Turnbull. He definitely he definitely deserves it. I mean, um, we have performances for Motherwell and performances for Celtic. I mean, I hope I hope he gets the the nod. I thought that might have happened, Craig's mm. automatically and immediately when Ryan yeah. Jack pulled out. Well, that was the you know it was clear and obvious. I thought that when Ryan Jack was named in the squad he would have very little chance of playing in either of the games or any of the three games just because he hasn't played for Rangers and you would think it would seem very unfair for someone not to be available for the club and then suddenly to be fit to play for their country. So that was always going to be a stumbling block. But um, as soon as it happened, I thought, yeah, there was a chance of David coming in. But I think the longer it goes, it's less likely to happen. When you look at the midfield players that Steve Clark has available to him, I think Steve Clark said it last week in his press conference, he said it's a really tough area of the pitch to get into. But you know we touched on it last week as well that you know there's no harm in bringing a young player in to see what he's got. Let Steve Clark have a closer look. Let him, you know, come in amongst the players, and he might actually surprise you a little bit. He could really come into the directing for the Euros. But um, you know, I, th- I think a 26-man squad. I'd be very surprised now if, if David Turnbull comes in. If there's a couple of injuries after the first game or a couple of people struggling, maybe then. But um, yeah, I, I'm as disappointed as what Ryan is. I would like to see David involved somewhere. I wonder if it might affect um, the, the the absence of Ryan Jack, Marv, might af- affect where Stevie Clark uses Scott McTominay. Um, I think we're probably, well, I don't know. I think I'm expecting that the whole experimental thing with, with McTominay in the back three was all leading to this, the, the fact that he'll continue to play there. But I just wondered whether with Ryan Jack out, whether he might rethink McTominay's role. I don't think so. I think McTominay will stay. Will stay in defence. Um, you know, there's still enough midfielders within within the squad, and also obviously uh, Chad Adams coming in as well. Will we see a slightly different shape to the way Scotland go about things? You know, will he play closer to Dykes, which will mean they'll have one less number ten? Um, so you know, Ryan Jack obviously coming out is a huge, huge miss. But I think McTominay should stay at the back. I said, especially when Scotland are going to have you know a lot of possession in indefinitely two of the games um, you know he's, he's so cultured on the ball that you know stepping forward with the ball he's a massive massive difference to, to Scotland and I think he's a key player to the way that they play so you know I'll be I'll be you know keeping him back there he is a very very good centre midfielder but the, the squad's so strong in there that there's no need to move him out of his you know back three place I take it Ryan you're very much in favour of having uh, David Turnbull in the squad yeah absolutely I mean if, if you're going on forum then why not I mean because then if you think about it you look at other players now um, through the years that's went into different went and played for different countries because they've got no way of getting in the Scotland squad because they've stayed the the, the managers previous have just picked the same players and not based on forum. I mean, I mean, what, what else does David Turnbull got to do to get in the squad or even even a Billy Gilmore for last season as well? I mean, can't or uh, Ryan Gold? He's doing quite well as well. So, and um, you can't you can't rely on these players because. They could be the players that could just turn that bit of magic. Yeah, but it, Steve Clark, if you look at his track record, certainly in Scotland with Kilmarnock and in Scotland job, he, he doesn't tend to play young players. He goes with tried and tested. He gets a system that he knows well. He knows the players, understand it. He likes experience. He likes players who can manage the game for them. He doesn't like to take too many risks. You know, Billy Gilmer last year was the one being touted to be called in. Didn't really get a chance. David Turnbull this year, Rangall this year, and he's still saying, no, I'm going with what I know. I know what I'm going to get from this squad of players and it, 
you know, also the fact that Scotland know how they're going to play when they've turned up on Sunday night or Monday morning for the for the training camp or for the camp for these World Cup qualifiers. They know the system, they know the setup, they know the structure, they know they're going to walk through things. So whether it's you know he doesn't want to upset people who are there, but um, there's certainly plenty of people who were knocking on the door. You've also got like, James Forrest isn't involved. I know James is just back, but you know yeah. he's another one that would have to come into the reckoning for the Euros when it comes around. So. So a few big decisions to be made and you know, these three games will give players an opportunity to show Steve Clark what they're all about. These are the last three games, aren't they, before mm. that Scotland will play bef- before Maybe the... Maybe a couple of friendlies, but yeah. have a couple of friendlies at the end yeah. of May, possibly. Yeah. But it, it, it is, is it surprising that, that David Turnbull's not been blended in at this stage, Marva, and, and that James Forrest is not just brought back into it as well on the basis that he is going to be involved in the summer? With Forrest, obviously, you know, having his first game back the other day, I, I think it's a lot more difficult to involve him. I think he'd probably get a lot more by staying with Celtic, you know, getting his fitness up rather than travelling with the squad. They won't train too hard because they've got, you know, three games in a short space of time. So I think with him staying away, it probably makes more sense going forward. With Turnbulls, it's, it's obviously a different one. You know, Celtic played very differently to the way Scotland do. Scotland are very direct up to Lyndon Dykes and the two number 10s have normally got, you know, great energy and great legs. Um, you know, not saying that you know that David doesn't have that, but he's more of a player that wants to drop in and get on the ball. And when teams are playing through the line, like Celtic do, so you know, who are we to argue with Steve Clark? You know, he's, he's taken the country yeah. to the Euros for the first time uh, in a long time. So you know, the man definitely knows what he's doing. I, I get the frustration with, with Turnbull because he's a fantastic player. I just think we have to look at things and think the way that Scotland play and the way that Celtic play are two very, very different styles. And you know, maybe he doesn't see a place for him in the squad at this moment in time. You know, due to that. But if he stays as manager, then will he change his tactics? Because if he doesn't, on the basis of what you're saying, then David Turnbull wouldn't be a Scotland player. Yeah, but it's, it's evolution, isn't it? So that the more players that you you get that can play in the way that you know will suit a David Turnbull. You know, che Adams is the same. He's not going to want long balls up to him. Mm. But that has to come with time. I think right now we have to be concentrating on on the Euros. That's the next thing. You know, after the Euros, then you can look at other players coming in and maybe slightly uh, jigging the way that Scotland are going to play. But you know, when you look at the the players who can play in a number ten, they're, they're so high energy in this team. You know, Armstrong hasn't even played that much, and he's been fantastic for Southampton. You know, so it's 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 a difficult decision. I definitely get it, but I think we'll see more of Turnbull after the Euros rather than before the Euros. Then we've got you know a bit more time to to bed him in and maybe slightly tweak on the on the tactical side of things. Are you excited, Ryan, about G Adams? Um, well, I was on the other day and I says ah, it's one of the things. I mean, he, as I said another day, he rejected Scotland in 2019. I'm, I'm, I am excited. I've, I've I've watched him play. He's an exciting talent, but I would still pick probably a Griffiths over over. Adams just on the basis that Griffiths can has shown in the past, but mm. even though Griffiths, Griffiths is struggling to get into the Celtic team at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, and a lot of Celtic fans and Barry and Leanne the other day were saying, "Well, how? I mean, the guy's a talent, you know. It's, it's one of the things, but that's that's football for you." Um, but I, I am excited. It would be good to see to see what, what maybe he can link up with Lyndon Dykes or if Lyndon Dykes up front. I don't know how he'll play it, but yeah, why not? It's it's a change, something different. So. You were thinking that, Craigs, weren't you? You were, you were thinking front two with, yeah. with Adams and Dykes. Yeah, and then suddenly now with the with the full Austrian squad coming because Northern Ireland played them in November, we played them away from home, and we went with Connor Washington, I think, and Josh, uh, uh, Liam Boyce and Josh McGuinness up front, or, or Connor Washington, whatever it was. But high energy centre forwards, and Northern Ireland went direct in behind Austria and down the side. And they couldn't cope. They took one of their centre-halves off at half-time and replaced them with a centre-midfield player to play centre-half just to try and bolster the back line. So that's why, looking at the front two, I'm thinking, just get the balls down the side, turn the back four, see if you can play in their half and to see if they like it. 
mm. you know, because they want to play, Austria particularly want to play at their own tempo, they want to dictate the tempo of the game. And Northern Ireland just went and said, you know what, we're just going to go direct. We're going to get an extra midfield player to go and join the midfield, Paddy McNair, who's got great energy, plays for Middlesbrough. And they couldn't cope. You know, Northern Ireland sh- you know, could and should have been 2 or 3 0 up in the first half and they didn't take their chances. It came back to bite them because we ended up losing 2 1. But that, I'm sure that's something Steve Clark will have looked at. He will have looked at that type of game. Because the system is very similar, whether you play with two centre forwards or one off. But Che Adams can run, uh, Linda Dykes can run, so why not turn them and go down the side and, and you know play in their half and see if you can put them under pressure? Because this is a big game. You know, when you think about World Cup qualifiers, two of the first three are at home. You need to be getting six, seven points out of these three games because your your World Cup campaign could be over before you, know, before you even get to the Euros. <laughs> and you know, if results don't go your way, that's that's a strange side of it. Yeah, uh, Declan Gallagher, um, there's another question mark about whether he's going to play or not because he's had so little game time going on at the moment, Ryan. But this is what he said today um, in terms of uh, Scotland's focus on these upcoming uh, three matches. I think first and foremost, the managers obviously try to tell us that we have to get the Euros out of our head, done well with each step, but the last two games we lost in the Nations League. So right now we have to get back on to winning ways because we were on a good run there and then we lost the last two games obviously that was massive celebrations we'd reached our tournament for the first time but now that's all done we have to put it on the pass and we have to rectify it with this we want to be a, a country that goes to national tournaments constantly we don't want to just be that team that gets it every 23 years yeah, uh, he's making some pretty good points there, isn't he, Ryan? Um, I think I'd forgotten that we lost our last two games just because I was probably still celebrating the fact we'd qualified for the for the finals. Um, but we need. Aye, so was I. <laughs> but we need. To, but we need. We need to be at it here, don't we? Right from the start, because there is no second uh, method of of qualifying this time. We have to be in that top two in the group uh, to have any chance of of going to the World Cup. Yeah, I would say so as well. I think I think all the players should be up for it because I think uh, England these past well, I don't know twenty three years have had all the bragging rights and they've always done the Scottish games so and Scotland football. So it'd be good. It'd be good to see if we see a, a, especially in the Euros if we see a good couple of good results and things like that. But as you know, you you have to hit the ground running. Yeah. But I think I think as well that um, there'll be a lot of pressure. There's absolutely no doubt about that. The whole nation will be watching. But we've we've just got to keep calm as well because it's our first Euros. I mean. If, to me and all of us, I think to get there is just is brilliant because it's taking so long. It's just oh my god, like Scotland's there. <laughs> Keep calm. That's a well, it's a nice theory, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure we'll be able to carry that one through. To be honest, John. yeah. Uh, right, thanks for your call. No worries. Thank you very much, guys. Good. Have a nice night now. You too. Cheers, nice to have you on the show. Uh, that is Ryan from Perth, Scotland fan, uh, wondering if David Turnbull is going to get the call up. Join the football conversation with us. Oh eight oh eight seventeen seventeen seven hundred. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! And on Tuesday, it's Rob McLean, Marvin Bartley, and Stephen Cragen at your service uh, for the next hour and a half. From now till seven, join us uh, for all the football chat 0808 17 17 700. Text go on your message to 87474 on the socials. It is at Go Football Show. We're looking ahead to Scotland against Austria. On a Thursday, suddenly it's just 48 hours away. We're looking ahead to uh, some of the Scottish Cup ties going ahead uh, tonight as well. Finally, this 
second round uh, is going to be completed with the third round not too far away. And in fact, once it does get going again, it uh, gets to the semi-finals pretty, pretty sharpish as well. So we'll look at some of those ties. We'll also, uh, being a Tuesday, just look back on the weekend as well. Uh, Marv's Livingston drew with his old team Hibs. Uh, 1-1. Uh, Livingston, of course, finishing the season in the top half of the table. Big win for Tommy Wright and Kilmarnock. Uh, 4-1 against Craig's old team uh, Motherwell. Hamilton won, St Middle won that late equaliser, which denied Saints a place in the top half of the table. Aberdeen lost again, didn't score again, but today they have a new manager, Stephen Glass. St Johnston beat Ross County in Perth. That was the win uh, that secured them the sixth and final place. Then on Sunday, it was Old Firm time. It was Celtic 1, Rangers 1. Lots to like about the Celtic performance, but they couldn't win and they conceded from another set piece. Uh, But for me and maybe for you as well, uh, the moment of the day on Sunday didn't happen during the match. It happened before the match when Scott Brown put his arm around Glenn Kamara. I think it's disgusting what's happened to be perfectly honest. It doesn't matter whether it's a Rangers player, a Celtic player or whoever it is throughout. It should never be part of the game. It just shows that we're with them, we stand with them on racism and it's just that little bit of respect as well, knowing it's a fellow professional. It was a great moment, Marv, wasn't it? And it, it rises way above what football means and matters. Yeah, what a, what a touching moment. Um, you know, as soon as I saw it, I thought, wow. You know, you're talking about one of the biggest rivalries in the world. And, and as you said there, you know, some things are, are bigger than football. Um, and as Scott said there as well, you know, some things are bigger than football. And, you know, racism at the moment is a, is a huge, huge problem. You know, it was, it was so disappointing to see what happened, you know, on Thursday um, on the pitch and then off the pitch. Uh, you know, it's been it's been so hard for those boys to, to attempt to deal with these sorts of things. But you know, we need to we need to do something about it. You know, it's been going on long enough. And and, and as Scott Brown said there, you know, he stands united with you know with the Rangers players. And again, it was fantastic to see you know Celtic and Rangers, you know, backroom staff standing side by side and saying you know we've all had enough of, uh, of this. I think a lot of people said on the back of last Thursday night, Crags, that UEFA effectively need to grow up here. Um, it's all very yeah. well um, launching all the campaigns, uh, doing all, ticking all the boxes, um, but they need to start taking some stern action against players and clubs. Otherwise, it ain't going away. Yeah, well, all eyes are now on UEFA to see what they come up with because it's been highlighted so often, it's been dismissed so often that uh, you know they've tried to put plans in place and uh, they've just covered over them at times and, and people have punished and teams and countries they've punished haven't been punished severely enough Yeah, you know they've I wouldn't say effectively got away with it but there's no real lasting memory of it all no. it just moves on to the next case and then the next one and the next one and I'm sure Marvin's fed up talking about it yeah. because it's the one thing that continues and I don't mean that in a bad way he's fed up talking about it because it, it just keeps happening so often and particularly on Thursday night from, from Cadella it was a, a premeditated move because he'd travelled 40-50 yards up the pitch yeah so from the minute he started walking towards Glenn Kamara, he thought, I'm going to say something, you know, which is which is worse. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's the worst form of it because you have a chance to change your mind. Yeah. And he doesn't do it, you know, and, and then the whisper, it was just absolutely disgusting. And, um, you know, the sooner we try and eradicate it or keep moving to eradicate it, but UEFA, it's over to you, you have to take action. Yeah, like, like you say, I hope, hope Marv's not tired talking about it because uh, he's just been appointed um, along with uh, former Scotland midfielder Leanne Ross as a Scottish FA equality advisor. That's part of the, you're joining the Equality and Diversity Advisory Board. Um, is that right, Marv? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. You know, I've been uh, speaking to the Scottish Football Association about this um, for a little while now and it just so happened, you know, that the unfortunate scenes that happened on Thursday 
things got you know um, accelerated um, a little bit more. But yeah, so basically what will be happening is the the Scottish FA will be looking at things to you know add more diversity to to our game and to you know coaching staffs and you know coaching courses and, and everything like that and all the educational courses. Um, but also we want players involved. So you know over the next seven days they're going to reach out to you know all the Premier League clubs and ask any players if they want to you know be involved in the meetings that will be held uh, once a month or once every six weeks but also whilst that's going on you know I'll be working uh, a little bit closer with the SFA I'll almost be like the, the middleman in between the two uh, me and Leanne you know she'll be doing it for the women's game and I'll be doing it for the men's game and you know it's not just going to be about talking about things it's about action now yeah, yeah, because I mean, I mentioned box ticking in terms of UEFA and just to be seen to be doing the right thing. There's so much of that that achieves nothing. Yeah. Will, will this with the Scottish FA achieve something? Yeah, well, we hope so. You know, it's, it's the, the time for talking's over. Um, so it's now time for action. And, you know, I spoke about this uh, the other day and I said, you know, the, the, the Scottish FA have done an awful lot in terms of diversity. If you look at other countries around Europe, we're a long way ahead of them. You know, yet still they're they're trying to put these things in place to get even better because until racism's completely eradicated, you know, you can always do better. And, and I'm so proud of the Scottish FA for doing this, um, for for giving me the opportunity to to be involved in this. Um, but as I said, you know, it's not about talking; it's about action now, and that's what we hope to you know do going forward. More power to you. Good luck with that. Your new uh, role, Marvin Bartley, Stephen Craig, and Rob McClay, the Go Radio Football Show. And we have Jamie from Eldersley. Hi, Jamie. Hi there. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. You say Mirren fan, am I right in saying? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> don't don't laugh. What was the what was that laugh all about? Is it disappointment from the weekend? Obviously, it's disappointing, but the reality is, it's potentially going to be our best finish in probably thirty odd years. So yeah. you can't be too down on it. But it's the fact that we could have, like, we basically threw away the top six with a few silly results, but. I mean, what can you do? It, sh- it shows how far you've come, though, doesn't it? When, you, when you're disappointed not to make the top half and you're not involved remotely in the relegation battle, uh, that, that shows how far Jim Goodwin's taken you, I guess, doesn't it? Definitely, 100%, because it's, you're just so used to being in the relegation battle <laughs> like every single season, so to be comfortable, to comfortably know you're not going to be involved in that makes a big difference. Anyway, you want to uh, get get away from those pain, those painful wounds from the weekend, and you want to talk about Scotland, don't you, Jamie? Yeah, it's all very, very um, similar to the last call, but it's, surely you think tumble tumbles kind of stick on. But even after that, it's, if you're talking actually replacing Ryan Jack, like for like, and Gil, Gilmore's a man because mm-hmm. j- just the way he plays, he, he handles pressure so well. And folks say, oh, he doesn't play enough. At the end of the day, he said, I'm out of the match in the FA Cup, the Champions League, the Premier League. Last season, when he played against Liverpool, and I think it was the Cup, he's playing against that full-strength Liverpool team, and he was, the way he was just holding the ball under pressure with Fabinho and Henderson. I mean, they're, they're well-known, Liverpool, for being high-press, and he's just taking the ball, silky as can be, turning, playing forward. It's something that Scotland don't do. We don't have a player that is happy yeah. to take the ball under pressure and move it out of the park. That's why we play Route 1 football. Yeah, it's a good point, that isn't it? And and it would also, uh, for, from a Stevie Clark point of view, be pointing the way ahead, Marv, to to the next generation, the next Scotland team that that uh, he may or may not be building, whether he's whether he's still there or not. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Gilmore; he's he's definitely the future, one hundred percent. But it, it's difficult. You're not playing a lot of club football. 
you, know, you never know what Steve Clark's saying to boys behind the scenes. And maybe he's saying you have to be playing club football for me to pick you for, for the national team. You know, and you, you can't have one rule for one and one rule for others. You know, especially as you know, Declan Gallagher's slightly different because he, you know, he's been absolutely brilliant when he's played for Scotland. You know, he's been he was in the thick of it during the, the campaign, and you know, he get he replay, uh, sorry keeps his place in the squad. With Gilmore, he's, he's not played a lot of football. I know he's a fantastic talent, and, and as you said there, uh, Jamie, you know, he did really really well when playing for Chelsea. But the, the games have come too few and far between. Um, you know, he needs to be playing regular club football for me to, to have an opportunity to get in the Scotland squad because if you if you call him up ahead of a David Turnbull, you know, what's that really saying? Um, you know, it makes things really, really difficult. And I understand the the pressure Steve Clark will be under. He'd be thinking, right, I can get this boy, he's a fantastic player, but just because he's not playing enough, it, it makes it so much harder to do. In politics, you would probably call it uh, cross-party support, Crags. <laughs> supporters of all teams would have David Turnbull in the squad, wouldn't they? Not just Celtic fans yeah, because or Motherwell fans. Yeah, because I think he showed his talent. He showed his excitement. Um, you know, but I think Jamie answered his own question when he said that Steve Clark only wants to play Route 1 football. I think it's, you know, at times he has to mix the game up, or he, Scotland do mix the game up, but Billy Gilmer isn't the kind of player who is going to play in Route 1 football. He's about five foot four. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, you know, if he's going to be getting the ball and making all these short passes, or they're just going to miss him out and hit the strikers and play off second balls, then, you know, there's no point in having Billy Gilmer in that midfield. Um, you know, Marvin was saying earlier about David Turnbull playing as a 10 and being energetic. I just even looked at the likes of the Pharaohs game and thought, if they're going to camp in and sit back and, and, and there's going to be little space for that energy to break in between, David can, is very good in between the lines. He can pick up good space. He's got a really good way to pass. But I think no matter how much we champion him, I don't think he's going to be called into the squad. No, and actually, with Stevie Clark, maybe the more that we champion, um, the less chance he's actually going to, going to get of getting getting called up. Because and that and that is very true of Stevie Clark, isn't he? I mean, I think he, there's a stubbornness about him, and he's not the sort of guy that's going to sway to public opinion. Because if if it was put to a national vote at the moment, uh, there wouldn't be much doubt about it. No, he, he would be in. You know, I think it'd be a very very high percentage of saying he should be in. But as you said, Steve, Steve Clark we can't doubt him you know what he's done and, and the way he's played no matter what you think about it, the direct style and what players should be in there or shouldn't be in there going to the Euros you know what a huge achievement so he's not going to change the style now as I spoke about earlier he's not going to do it now and you probably look at you know David Turnbull Gilmore will probably be one of the players to get the most out of him because he'll pick it up from the defence and play it into Turnbull who'll be in like the number 10 position so after the Euros I wouldn't be surprised if both of them are in there and, and you do see a slight change of you know, tactics and a slight change of style. Um, but before the Euros, I think it's just too risky, you know, looking to bring players in who, who haven't played that much, you know, before and also players that are going to try and change, the, you know, the way we are going to play the game. But it's interesting you speak about that, about Turnbull with Gilmer, because I watched closely even on Sunday between Odson Edward and David Turnbull mm. and how often they rotate the ball to each other. And I always think good players are aware of other good players and they know they'll find them in space. They know they'll, you know, give them that ball through. I mean, Edward picked the ball up. He's, you know, he's looking for David immediately. David picks it. His first thought is, can I give it to him? And sometimes without even realising, good players link up. So that's the, the same connection you're speaking about with Billy Gilmer and the likes of David yeah. Turnbull. I'm just looking at the, the midfield uh, options, um, Jamie, that, that Stevie Clark has in the absence of Ryan Jack, of course. Uh, Stuart Armstrong, Ryan Christie, John Fleck, John McGinn, Callum McGregor, who was obviously a certainty to, to start, I would have thought. Kenny McLean is there, and I suppose he's a contender to play in that deeper midfield position. Uh, and Scott McTominay is lift, listed among the midfielders in the squad um, in terms of what the Scottish FA put out. But I think we're imagining that he's going to be in the back three. Well, that's that's the thing as well. You've obviously, um, as much as I was gunning for Gilmore, I totally, I was shocked that Turnbull wasn't in the squad. And when I'm looking at the squad as well, right in front of me, um, like the likes of Grant Hanley, 
no disrespect to the big man, but I've followed Scotland since I've been a wee boy and Grant Hanley's never done it. Scotty Tomney essentially should be the defender listed rather than Grant Hanley. Are you, are you, are you in the Grant Hanley why camp? Well, very much. Scotland have lacked in uh, central defence for years, for the last maybe eight to ten years, and Declan Gallagher's actually been a breath of fresh air. They've yeah. just done the simple job. But it's, it's, it's frustrating because Tumbles, obviously, unless he does get pulled in, but we're talking about Route 1 football and it's got us there, but like it was touched on, we lost the last two games and we, at the end of the day we made the Euros by the skin of our teeth. We went through penalties to the semi-final and the final of the playoffs. And you look at the list of players, we're talking about Route 1 football, say Gilmore and um, Turnbull were involved, Christie, Armstrong, McGinn, McGregor, McLean, McTominay, Robertson, Tierney, the, all these players can play football. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They play with yep. the ball in the deck. So I don't I don't understand the route on football. It's 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 out of fashion, do you know what I mean? It maybe as I know that Clark's obviously trying to just make things work and then as time goes on he can adjust but like you said, he's the way he's stubborn, it's it's almost as if when folk are crying it and it's been the same for years, like Back in the day, it was Ross McCormick and Rhodes could never get in the team, yet they were running right in the championship. Chris Boyd, top goal scorer in Scottish history, can he, could never get in. Wingy two caps or something like that. Yeah. It's just it's always there's always been somebody been crying it, and I just I would hate to see. I know I'm not saying it's going to happen to Gilmore. He's, he's a young boy, but I just hate to see if it's like a Turnbull. If we're talking about the Euros. You look at Wales and Ireland, they made it as a group the last time. What, are we just going to go there and hope that we just don't get beat? Go and try and win. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned mm-hmm. Declan Gallagher there. Um, and uh, I just wonder whether loyalty is going to apply in his case, because obviously he hasn't, got, he hasn't had much game time of late. But but Declan was, was speaking today um, about the back five that, that's been operating for Scotland and, and certainly sounding as if uh, he thinks he's going to be right in the middle of it. Yeah, I think it's been great. Obviously, being the middle man, it's, it's perfect for me because I like to talk. My game's all about talking and uh, having players like Kieran Tierney and Scott McTominay by your side, it's... It's only going to help you massively, and even having Andy Robertson and Stephen O'Donnell as my two fullbacks as well, it's it's been brilliant to play with. And Kieran Tierney and obviously Scott McTominay are both good on the ball, and just keeping those five-yard passes, giving it to them, and letting them do it, and adding with physical presences and everything else. And I think we've just got a, a good balance, here and I think it's working well. I like that. That's the back five pick. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's decided that's the back five, and he's playing in the middle. Yeah. Of it. I wonder if he shared that with Stevie Clark. Yeah, the, the, fact, the fact that he's already picked yeah. the team. But I, lo- I love that the, uh, Stephen O'Donnell and Andy Robertson are my full, my full, uh, his, my his, his fullbacks. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you said uh, but, you know, Dickie's life's a bit talking. You know, that's what yeah, yeah, I mean, just yeah. as football. He's yeah. we're on the pitch, but listen, he's been great. Yeah, he, you has. Know, he has. You know, considering where he's came from, the issues he's had to get himself into the the top flight living since then with Motherwell and then making a Scotland debut. So, uh, yeah, he'll be desperate to play. You know, he's put a lot of hard work in. Lack of game time could go against him, but Stevie Clark being loyal, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays. Jamie, thanks for your call. I hope so. All right, cheers. Thanks very much. All the best. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. 0808 17 17 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. It's Glasgow's own Go Radio, the football show 5 till 7, Monday to Friday. And it's good to have you with us as well on the day that uh, Aberdeen appointed a new manager, a replacement for Derek McInnes. It is Stephen Glass 
who until now um, has been running the B team with Atlanta United and the USA. Uh, Dave Cormack, the chairman, knows him well. And uh, I guess the big question arising is who will be part of his coaching team? Lots of uh, speculation over the last fortnight. Um, that Scott Brown would be his number two. The pair of them played together, know each other well from their time at Hibs. And there's also talk about Alan Russell uh, joining the coaching setup as well. He's currently the England strikers coach. Uh, so that has happened today. What's also happened today, in fact, what's uh, happened uh, pretty much in the last little while, is that uh, the main power broker at Celtic, Dermot Desmond, has been speaking and he's been answering some of the fans' questions. We've spoken so much on this show about Celtic's lack of communication since the departure of Neil Lennon. Uh, and we've had so many fans on um, asking us what is going on at Celtic mm. and they wanted to have some, at least some form of communication, even if Celtic were unable, obviously at the moment, to give them a definite answer on who's coming in. Is it a director of football? Is it a head coach? Uh, well, let, let's see what he said online. This is the first time I'm seeing it as well, and it's the first time you're hearing it, uh, presumably. When can we expect the appointment of a manager is the first question. I like it when they cut to the chase. <laughs> um, as with any key appointments at Celtic, says Dermot Desmond, there is a process which involves research, investigation, interviewing and negotiation. This process is underway and is taking place privately and when complete, the board will make a public announcement. OK, that doesn't tell us a whole lot. Uh, who's in charge of the process? Uh, Dermot Desmond says, the chairman, Ian Bankier, Peter Lowell, outgoing uh, CEO, of course, and myself take a lead in the process and naturally the incoming CEO will also participate. Uh, that, of course, is Dominic Mackay from the Scottish Rugby Union who is incoming um, as uh, Peter Lowell's replacement. Uh, any decision made, says Dermot Desmond, will require board approval. Next question, could you give us some idea of the type of candidate you're looking for? Dermot Desmond says we're mindful of the fact that there's a huge amount of interest and speculation among our supporters and the press. However, we have to respect the privacy of potential candidates and the integrity of the process, and so I think it would be inappropriate to make comment... Um, to make comment on the type of candidate we are looking for. Uh, what is... So here's the, the next question is, what is your analysis of the season? All these questions levelled at Dermot Desmond. And he, his answer to this one was, firstly, the season's not over yet, as we're still in the Scottish Cup. However, my current thoughts are that the season has been extremely disappointing. Decision-making in football is not an exact science, and I accept without qualification that we have made some wrong calls. Uh, we will endeavour to learn from those. However, the conjecture coming from some journalists, commentators and pundits that they foresaw the outcome of this season is entirely disingenuous in my opinion. Regardless of whether we won the league or not this year, these are the words of Dermot Desmond, we knew that the 2021-22 season would be a transitional year for the team. A number of the existing squad would more than likely be departing or returning to their parent clubs, but we felt that in order to give the team the best chance of success this year to achieve the overriding ambition, we should endeavour to retain these players despite receiving a number of substantial bids. In so doing, we recognised that this would add to the recruitment requirements, which is not easy to say, for the subsequent season. We recognise that we have underperformed both on and off the pitch and must do better. Mm. What do you think? Well, I think his last answer 
was long-winded, but it was it was very open and very honest that they have underachieved, that they've made mistakes, that they turned down bids for players last summer, which was a lot of speculation about. They thought by sticking with them they could, you know, claim their tenth title, and it hasn't worked. So naturally, then the market value of those players goes down, and I think they were prepared to accept that. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of movement there is in the summer. Um, I understand a bit about the candidate. You know, you can't really speak too openly about who's in for the job or who you want to speak to, because then suddenly, then that's the that's the name that's always going to be linked to it. Uh, I always felt it would have been very um, the board wouldn't have been filling fulfilling their obligations if the process hadn't started we said it last week the process is bound to have started lots of talking going on behind the scenes putting a plan in place what kind of manager do they want what has to be done so I, I think certainly the Celtic fans will be um, there's a little bit of comfort that, that there's work going on um, not an awful lot from it but certainly you know the border and, and, and uh, Dermot Desmond is fully aware they've made mistakes and you know, they will hope to Im- improve that but certainly the new manager coming in has to hit the ground running because Rangers have stolen March on them they can't wait two, three years to claw it back they, Celtic fans will want to hit the ground next summer or sorry this summer 100% and that's why the appointment is crucial and I think in the last couple of weeks too, Marv, that this the decision has become even bigger than it was before because uh, it seems likely now that next season's champions will go straight into the Champions League. So that becomes uh, a thirty million pounds carrot dangling in front of the winners, and it makes uh, Celtic getting the appointment right absolutely crucial. Yeah, I think it's one of the the biggest you know calls they've had to make in in recent times. Definitely, um, as Craig says, there you know, they're going to have a lot of players that will be leaving the club, whether that's through loan or you know last years of their contracts or they're, or they're out of contracts. So, you know, first and foremost, getting the manager in place is, is absolutely key. But you're thinking they're going to be bringing in you know, 12, 13, 14 players. You know, that's never ever easy to do. Um, you know, with Rangers going the way that they are going, you know, Celtic need to get these transfers right and they need to make sure the players settle straight away. You know, if you start bringing in too many players that haven't played in the UK before, you, you're running a huge risk of them. You know, they all need to come and they all need to settle. So, you know, I think they need to get the manager sorted first and foremost because the manager's obviously going to have a huge influence on the players that are brought in. So, you know, whether that's going to be John Kennedy or they're going to, you know, go outside and, and get somebody different, I think that needs to be sorted very, very quickly. Um, and then you need to start getting your players that, that you want. You need to draw a list up and then, you know, start getting everything sorted. Also, the players going out. You know, what you don't want to be doing is waiting until the last day of the transfer deadline and, you know, these players are suddenly going and then you've got a huge hole in your squad. You know, that's not going to be acceptable for Celtic this season. I think they need to do their business both ins and outs very early in the summer so they can get back to pre-season know what they've got to work with you know and, and as Craig says trying to hit the ground running Do you want to talk to Livy fan Katie? Yeah let's go <laughs> Hi Katie Hi guys how you doing? Good how are you? Yeah good thank you happy we've got um, top six sorted so that's made my week better <laughs> oh, I, thought, I thought you were uh, going to say happy we've got a wonderful captain <laughs> That was next <laughs> Well that too that too um, my question was for Marvin unsurprisingly Yeah um, we thought maybe it might be <laughs> um, so like, obviously Marvin you've worked under like some big names in management like Eddie Howe Neil Lennon etc I was wondering like how would you characterise David Martindale's style um, how does it compare to some of those those names um, in terms of managers very similar to Neil Lennon um, you know a very passionate uh, manager um, you know motivation is is key for him so you know out of all the managers that you kind of mentioned there and the other ones I have worked under um, those two would be the most similar um, you know they're they're very very they do a lot of work man management work you know a lot of work I'll say off the training pitch really with the players um, trying to get the best out of the lads and as I said you know they're they're key motivators and you know obviously Davey's done a fantastic job since coming in um, you know 
Gary Holt left at, as you know, at the start of the season or just into the start of the season and, you know, went on that magnificent run. We've been to a cup final and now got a top six finish. So, you know, Davies, you know, earning his stripes in his own right, you know, so he probably doesn't want to be compared to other managers. And, you know, when I see him on Thursday, he'll have something to say. But no, I'd have to compare him closely uh, to Neil Lennon uh, out of the names you've just mentioned there. Yeah, uh, one thing like, sorry. Carry on, Katie. I was going to say, like, one thing I was, it's kind of a bit of a follow-up question, one thing I'm a bit nervous about as a Livingston fan is, um, obviously, like, Davies had a massive role to play in, in recruitment um, when he was an assistant, um, and I think that's been, like, a large part of our success, you know, like, players like yourself that have come in, and, like, can he do all of that, you know, whilst, whilst obviously in that top job as a manager? Um, you know, I'm a bit nervous about, you know, how, who's going to pick up some of the stuff that Davies was doing when he was sort of number two. Yeah, I think in terms of recruitment, he'll be he'll be doing the same as he was doing when he said he was number two. Um, he's also got Liam Fox in, who's a, a fantastic coach. So, you know, things that maybe David was having to do before, he doesn't have to do as much of now. So I think he, he he still has the time to do the recruitment and stuff. He enjoys that side of the game. He enjoys, you know, watching players and whether that be, you know, going out and watching them live or, you know, watching clips of them or, or whatever else. So I think the recruitment will still be controlled by, by Davey um, for sure. You know, now he's a manager... You know, he now knows he's going to work with these players on a day-to-day basis. But as I said, Liam Fox has uh, came in as well. and He's a fantastic coach and he's taken a bit of pressure and a bit of the burden off the coaching side for Davey. So he, he's had freed up time to do other things. So, you know, I'd be very, very surprised if he doesn't, you know, lead the lead the recruitment side of things still. I think it's been one of the, the stories of the season as well, hasn't it, Davey, Davey Martindale and, and what he's done uh, at Livingston, correct? Yeah, I don't think anybody could foresee that Livingston would be top six when Davey took over just because they were in such a bad run. Uh, people thought, you know, was it a case of coming up, having one good season and then, you know, you know kind of falling back into the, the championship. But they really turned it around. They stuck a, an incredible run of results together. And, you know, Davey's been the heartbeat of that club over the you know, last number of years. He's been the, the consistent the whole way through. So it's, um, but again, credit has to go to the players. And that's the first thing I liked about Davey is that even after winning games, he said, it's about the boys, it's all about the players. I'm here, I'm fronting things up, I'm trying to put things in place. But players have to go out and carry out the tactics. They have to go out and win games. I think you look through the league, there'll be a lot of envious clubs looking at Livingston and thinking two top six finishes in successive seasons. I think that's what we should be doing. Yeah. The budget we have and players we have, clubs will look at Livingston and think our players are better than theirs. But what have they got that's different than everyone else? And there's always you always talk about spirit and togetherness and you know everyone fighting for the one cause, and that absolutely is the case. And I think that's right, Katie, isn't it? I mean, I, th- I think it probably is pretty embarrassing to some bigger, more established clubs with bigger budgets uh, to to be looking at what Livingston are doing. Absolutely, I think it's like um, the Livingston team that I always um, sort of dreamed of following. Like all kind of um, there's a great team ethic, all work really hard all kind of fight for the cause. And I think as a football fan, um, when you support, you know, a smaller club like Livingston, that's all we can really ask for. So, you know, and that's gone right back to, you know, the League One days and it's something that's followed the club through. So it's um, it's really great for us to see and, and we'll make continue. All we need to do now, Marv, is win the Scottish Cup. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. As long as we don't get to another final and lose, you know, I've, I've run out of tears. So, you know, we either lose before the final or we win it. And you've got and you've got to play you've got to play left wing back, haven't you? In cup, cup finals, that's part of the deal as well. No comment. No, we don't want to do that again, do we? We don't really want that. Craig's was asking you earlier, Marv. Do you expect much change around? Do you, will there be big squad changes in the summer at Livy? Yeah, I think that you know there's a few boys out of contract. So you know, like all the time, I think boys normally sign two-year contracts, but some of them are coming towards the end of this summer. So I do expect you know maybe 
five or six players to be going out and, and the same coming in. Um, it's just the way it's done at smaller teams. You know, we're always trying to evolve and we don't have the biggest budget to be putting boys on long-term contracts. So it's almost like every season trying to unearth a gem. Um, and I think that's something the club have been pressing ahead with right now. So I do expect, you know, maybe five or six boys to come in, yeah. And Katie, looking forward to, to the day when uh, you can get back in and, and watch close up. Mm. Yeah, it's funny actually because um, I live in London, so ah. um, I kind of follow them from a distance. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for my family to go back, but yeah. the season's actually brought me a bit closer to Livingston because I've been able to watch all the games from London, True. and you know, not just a couple of seasons, but you know, for all my family and all the guys up there that support Livingston, obviously I want it for them. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I hope you've enjoyed your private audience with Marvin Bartley anyway. No expense yeah, spared. <laughs> nice nice to have you on Live from London. That was Katie, a Livingston fan. News at six on the way and another hour of football chat. We'll be talking more about what Dermot Desmond has had today say today about Celtic. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebration. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pump servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! 48 hours away from Scotland against Austria at Hampden Park as the World Cup qualifiers uh, go ahead uh, just a few months before, of course, the European Championship finals. Confused? Yes, you probably are. Um, as confused as you are about the fact Scottish Cup is back tonight. Uh, 12 ties tonight. Eight were played about 10 weeks ago. Um, at a time, of course, when we're really looking ahead to the semi-finals normally at this time of the season. Uh, but lots of uh, big games going ahead tonight. Lots of big opportunities as well for some of the sides from Championship downwards. Uh, and the opportunity uh, to draw a big one in the third round, which is a week on Saturday. We're talking about Celtic as well. We're talking about uh, Dermot Desmond's reaction online uh, to some questions uh, thrown at him. And uh, what's happening uh, with that managerial vacancy? Uh, is John Kennedy a contender? He's the man in position at the moment. Uh, would the Celtic fans be happy with that? What happens if Celtic win the Scottish Cup, Crags? Uh, does that would that mean that if John Kennedy is still in charge, that he gets the job? I think that's too late to be appointing the manager. The, you know, the Scottish Cup is late May. Celtic fans, I would imagine, will want to have someone on board before then. If it's John Kennedy, fine, just announce John Kennedy. But it can't be a case of wait to the Scottish Cup. He wins it and then suddenly announce, oh, he's the manager. Yeah. And it's maybe a bit of a shock to him because then suddenly, you know, we spoke about the process of the incoming chief executive, the signs that need to be made, players need to be sold. It's a very quick turnaround, very, you know, short, close season. Players going to play internationals over the summer as well. And then the Champions League qualifiers for Celtic in, I think, the 20th, 21st of July. So there's an awful lot to happen. I think after the Scottish Cup final for me is too late. Yeah, and we're talking, we were talking earlier, Marv, about the, the big lure of winning the title next season. What that means in European terms, the, the potential not to have to go through all those hurdles of qualification for the Champions League and just go straight into it and know that you're guaranteed uh, £30 million pounds, uh, before you go any further. So it does, it does really put the pressure on that appointment. There's also the, the aspect, isn't there, of, of selling season tickets, selling the appointment to the fans who've been hugely disappointed and, and let down 
down, I guess, because a lot of them have paid their 600 quid and not got too much back for it this season. Yeah, the club will definitely know that, you know, the fans are expecting a manager to be named a long time before the season tickets go on sale again. And, you know, the club will, will expect that, you know. So, as Craig says there, they need to get this sorted out a long time before the Scottish Cup final. Even if it's to say the manager, you know, has been appointed and he won't actually take the reins until the start of, you know, next season or start of pre-season that's absolutely fine you know you can sell season tickets on the back of that and also if John Kennedy's taking the job then he needs to maybe look at things slightly differently to he is now because you know what players does he want next season you know what players does he want to offer new contracts and you know what players does he want to bring in so I think it for everyone's peace of mind it'd be a lot lot better the sooner they can get it done um, for fans you know the club and, and whoever the manager is it would be a lot better for them Marvin Bartley, Stephen Craig and Rob McLean on the Tuesday edition of the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. Always good to hear from Paul John Dykes from Celtic State of Mind podcast. Hi, Paul John. Hi, Rob. How are you? Very well. How's yourself? Yes, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. Yeah, I know. Um, you've had, a, I think you maybe had a quick chance, haven't you, to to, uh, to have a look at what we were uh, reading out just a, 10 minutes ago on the show, those online quotes from uh, Dermot Desmond in reply um, to a few uh, key questions. What, what, what did you make of what he had to say? Well, we don't hear too often from the principal shareholder, so that's always welcome. But... Um, there wasn't a great deal in it, really, no. Rob. No, the process is underway. We kind of guessed that. Um, but I think what you're saying there in relation to making an announcement, that, that really is important. But the manager needs to be able to assess what he has at his disposal because at, the, at this present time, we could be going into a massive, massive season, um, as you've said there in relation to the potential for Champions League qualification, yeah. uh, with one right back, one left back, and a couple of centre-halves. That, that's where we are at this moment in time. Um, the, the squad is going to be really depleted, and we need someone in ASAP. Yeah, so you, you need, presumably, the first appointment, presumably, is a director of football. If that is going to be the structure, we seem to think that is going to be the way it is, a director of football and a, and a head coach. And, and obviously, the, the football director would be would be the first appointment into place. Uh, but it needs, you know, you, you just feel it needs to happen pretty quickly, don't you? No, absolutely. Uh, uh, the name that uh, seems to be an open secret, and I might be proven wrong on that, is uh, Fergal Harkin coming in as the director of football. And then we've heard that the head coach may be uh, one of either Enzo Maresca or Roy Keane. And the information we've been getting today is that Roy Keane uh, is potentially going to be that man. And that, that seems to have gone down like a lead balloon amongst the Celtic support today when we were talking about that um, on a Celtic state of mind. So, yeah, we need to make it happen quickly. We need to assess the squad. We need to decide, do we bring back Jack Henry? Because we've got a, a real issue at the back. Um, and do we keep any of the loanees that are already in there? But massive, massive changes at Celtic. And, of course, we might have to replace our captain. Why the negative reaction to, to Roy Keane? You know, I think the thing is, Rob, Roy Keane has been out of the game in terms of a manager, a management position for a decade now, and when you even look at the games he managed, uh, an absolute icon as a player, but 181 games is always managed, and three seasons of those games were in the championship. So, you know, someone that's going to come in, and as you say, if you win the league next season, there's an absolutely brilliant opportunity to go straight into the Champions League uh, group stages. Uh, you need someone to come in, and it cannot uh, go the same way as the season we're currently in. Uh, I mean, 
the turnover of staff this pre-season is going to be unprecedented. We could lose upwards of 12 players that will need replaced. You need to be assessing that squad right now. And I think what we need is someone who has the finger on the pulse, if you like. Um, I mean, Maresca's not a, a big name in terms of management, but he has obviously done very well under 23 level yeah. uh, down south. And that's the market we'll be in. Yeah, we'd, uh, I don't know if you heard uh, Robert Snodgrass when he was on the show uh, the other week and he was absolutely raving about him because he worked with him when he worked with him when uh, Maresca was at West Ham with uh, Manuel Pellegrini uh, and he, he was he was certainly raving about him. Just wondering with Stephen Craig and what you think about, about Roy Keane. Is Roy Keane still current, do you think, in terms of coaching? Well, I think Paul John's right there. You know, 10 years out of the game uh, and I wouldn't say the game's evolved, it has. And I think the personality of players has evolved you know, how you can deal with players, how you speak to players. And Roy Keane, of course, is you know, renowned for being uh, a manager who is very demanding. Uh, and, and, and I think when you look at players and managers nowadays, the relationship's slightly different. So I don't think you can come into a club like Celtic and, and, and start, you know, taking back 10, 12 years of how, how managers used to act and how they used to get on. Um, he's certainly a huge name in football, but, I, you know, I just wonder, is his time gone for to be Celtic manager? You know, you, you talk about certain style of play, certain standard of player you're looking for. You know, they want, you know, he's talking about Enzo Maresca, you know, the total football. There's just, there's so many things to come into it that I think Roy Keane may just have passed him by. He possibly could have had it before and didn't take it. But 10 years is a long time to be out of club football and then come into a job like Celtic when it's so big and there's so many changes needing and so many players needing brought in. You know, you're not coming into a squad that's ready made. You're having to come in and mould and make your squad as soon and as quick as you possibly can. Uh, and there may be other people, as, as Paul John said, you know, people with fingers on the pulse who are ready to bring players with them. You touched on uh, Scott Brown there, Paul John. Do you think he's leaving Celtic? It seems likely now, and, and I just think having let you know lost the CEO and the manager to lose the captain as well is a bridge too far. I think you need to have uh, when when you're going through such a transition, there needs to be a familiarity uh, in the, the changing room. And in the squads, we, we do, of course, have James Forrest and Callum McGregor, maybe near Beaton and Lee Griffiths to a lesser degree. But I think Scott Brown would be pivotal to the transition. So I'll be sad to see him go if indeed he does go to Aberdeen. Marvin Bartley, how big a loss to Celtic would Scott Brown be? Massive. Um, I spoke about him earlier on and off the pitch going to Aberdeen. The same same thing at Celtic. You know, the, the man's a real leader and he's so well respected by you know his peers that Celtic Football Club, if they, if they lose him, that is going to be a massive blow. You know, as Paul John's touched on there, the manager will be going. There'll be, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12 players coming in. And Scott Brown knows the Celtic way. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's a born winner. He knows how to win things, you know. And having that player in there who's been there and done it is so key. You know, if you get rid of him, and I know you're talking about Forrest and, and McGregor and, and other players, but Scott Brown's been there through the whole thing. Through the whole thing. And I think if he goes, it's going to be a massive, massive blow to the football club because... You know, any new manager coming in is going to want Scott Brown in that dressing room. Yes, he's not going to be able to play, you know, 40, 45 games a season anymore. We all know that. You know, he's got to the age where he can't do that. But the influence he'll have off the pitch with those players will be absolutely massive. You know, demanding standards in training, uh, making sure players are living a professional life. All those sorts of things that a manager doesn't really see going on within the changing room, Scott Brown will be taken care of. And you lose him out of that changing room and it's going to be a massive blow. There was probably an assumption, wasn't there, Paul John, that, that when he did start to play a bit less, which has happened this season, obviously, and, and he's already um, he's already done some, some coaching at Celtic, that he would grow into to that sort of role and, and would probably climb the coaching ladder at Celtic. Is that, is that what you expected to happen? 
Absolutely, Rob. Um, and, and I think that it's important to a club like Celtic uh, to have a backroom team who know the club inside out. We're bringing in so many players. Uh, by all accounts, he was very popular when he was dealing with the, the younger players at Celtic Park. And we've got a tradition of that. Uh, you know, John Kennedy, uh, who's obviously leading the line at the moment, and various others like Stephen McManus, Darren O'Day, etc. And I think uh, we all expected Scott Brown to do that. It's going to be very strange to see him in the colours of Aberdeen and, and working elsewhere, let me tell you that. Would it, would it tell a story of, of Scott Brown's disenchantment, possibly, with what's happening or not happening at Celtic? Might it tell a story uh, on that side of the coin if, if he is to leave? I think so. There is a, uh, an element of that. I remember watching the game against Kilmarnock. They scored uh, away during, uh, during the week, uh, midweek game. And, you know, he didn't really celebrate it with any, any real joy. Um, and, and that was unusual. And I think he's had a tough season. You know, we've had, uh, obviously, the Scottish Cup victory uh, from last season carried over. And he was important to that. But I think when you watch his performance at the weekend there, he showed that he can still be an influence. Yeah. Even if it is only... 20, 25 games next season. I think that's very important, but perhaps he's looking for an assurance that there's going to be that transition to the coach, the coaching kind of level which he's not getting. He's maybe not getting that Celtic part. He was a big player on Sunday, wasn't he, Craigs? Yeah, Arguably was. Celtic's top player. Well, he was, and it just shows you that there is still plenty left there. You know, but again, I'd said previously that I felt as if Scott Brown at times was mismanaged over the last couple of years. When you look at the likes of Stephen Davis, who's only, what, six months older than him, mm. how Stephen Gerrard was taking him in out of the side, yet Scott Brown was getting flogged every single game. And it's tough at 35 years of age to go out and reach the same standard three days after your last game. And then you know, you've got another game three days later. I think if he'd been managed better, we would have been more performances like Sunday, where he's a little bit fresher, he's added a little bit more, he knows the meaning of the game. And I think Marvin touched on it there, saying that setting the standards is the big thing. It's about when new players come in and, and, and demand enough people in training. And his attitude uh, didn't change, even though he wasn't in the team and he wasn't out. He, you know, he didn't go in the huff, he didn't fall out with anybody. He stuck to his job, he got at it, he pushed people, he cajoled all the time as much as he possibly could. So a real driving force. And suddenly you take that out of your club and then you're looking around at James Forrest, who looks a quiet boy, Callum McGregor, who looks a quiet boy, Ryan Christie, he's still there. And you're thinking, who's this person that's going to carry the name of the club? Who's going to carry the team forward when they need them? And that's why I think Scott Brown's influence will be hugely missed. Um, but if Stephen Glass manages to get him up there and get him into the Aberdeen team, you've got to say it's a real coup for them. Are Celtic being caught out, Paul John? Are they are they under real time pressure here, which which should have been avoided because everything really that's unfolding and has unfolded, um, I think we could have seen coming, couldn't we? Months ago. Yeah, months so. ago. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that Desmond pointed out, you know, uh, pundits, commentary, this kind of thing that were saying the scene is coming. Um, he doesn't believe that was the case, but I thought we all saw it coming. Yeah. You know, everything was unravelling at once. We knew that the recruitment hadn't been good enough for some time. We knew that we had let a lot of experience go in the likes of Craig Gordon uh, before him, Michael Lustig, uh, who was a, a born captain, a born leader. Uh, even Johnny Hayes and Simunovic would have been useful to Celtic this season when you look at how hard it's been uh, at the back. So we've all seen it happening. We've had no young players coming through now um, and staking a, a, a place in the team other than Stephen Welsh, who was thrown in because we had no one else to play. Yeah. You know, we should have three or four young players under the surface, bubbling away, ready to come through. We don't have that. And now we need a complete restructure. So it, it certainly has been the perfect storm, but we've seen it coming. We've certainly seen it coming. 
You mentioned Jack Hendry. Uh, I wonder if he could have done a job for Celtic the way the season's panned out. And I wonder um, if he will come back to Celtic to stay uh, once his loan spell at Ostend in Belgium is up. Here's what he said today, because obviously he's part of the Scotland squad. No, I don't, I don't know. Obviously, for me, I'm just concentrating game by game. I've got a game on Thursday night and after that, there'll be another game. So for me, mentally, I'm just focusing on each game as it comes. And whatever happens at the end of the season happens. All I can do is concentrate on the pitch and let the things that are off it take care of itself Marv is he a player you like Jack Hendry yeah, I think he, he had a tough time, didn't he? Um, you know, being a young player when you have a couple of bad games and, you know, the team's not doing too well and suddenly it's all eyes on you. Um, you know, he's, he's put into that the massive stage with Celtic. So I think a loan move was perfect for him, um, perfect for developing his career to get his confidence back. And, and now he's in the Scotland squad, you know. He, he can he can go back to Celtic in the summer and, and really give it a good go. I think the club should bring him back. Um, you know, he's still young enough to go on to have a very, very good career. And as I said, playing the amount of games he has played and got himself into the national team, now his confidence will be sky high. You know, and they're the sort of players that, that Celtic need around, you know, Scotland international. So I think he should be a player they, they bring in. Amongst others, they're going to have to reinforce the defence 100%, but he should be a part of that, whether he's, you know, starting week in, week out, or, you know, he's playing backup. But, you know, he's, he's not a player that I would be selling if I was there. Maybe it's harsh to, to criticise Celtic too much about Jack Hendry because maybe when that decision was taken to put him out on loan, uh, he was so far down the pecking order, Crags, and, and you know Celtic weren't to know that they were going to have a defensive crisis down the line. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, at the stage, it was probably best for Jack to get away too. Sometimes you have to go away. You've got to live away from home. You know, you've got to go outside your comfort zone. And I think going to Oostend certainly was that for him. Um he probably needed to go off the radar just to play some games, just rebuild his confidence. And, you know, I listened to most of the press conference from Scotland and, you know, he's full of self-confidence, which mm. is good. I quite like that. You know, there's a there's a few sceptics over here that when you speak good about yourself or you sound, you know, confident, people want to knock you back down again. But he's obviously rebuilt his career or, or, or trying to rebuild his career out there. He's playing, you know, every week. The manager trusts him, the manager believes in him. And he's only 25. And you think like, you know, you're probably 29, 30, 28, 29, 30 by the time you reach your peak as a centre-half because you've been through so many experiences, you're reading the game, your communication, your positioning, your leadership qualities all start to shine through as you get older. So he's only going to get better. So no doubt whoever the new Celtic manager is coming in, they will look at Jack Kendry and think he's been out and loan, he's played plenty of games, he's in the national team, he's one I want to take a look at. So just round the, the chat off for us, Paul, John, on, on the day that uh, I guess we're uh, thinking that, that uh, the clever money is on, on Scott Brown leaving Celtic and joining up with Stephen Glass at Aberdeen. Maybe that's going to be at the end of the season, but I'm not sure if that was announced in the next day or two that that could actually happen, that, that Scott Brown stays at Celtic if, he, if he's going to Aberdeen. We've also had those questions online for Dermot Desmond and we've had answers that, that maybe, well, at least he's communicating because, because I think you know, lots of Celtic fans have been critical that there hasn't been enough coming out of Celtic in the way of communication. So at least it is an attempt answering questions, even though I guess uh, those answers today don't tell us a huge amount. No, they don't. But you're right. We've been calling out for engagement from the club all season, and it's been uh, lacking. But they know themselves as, as a club and as a company that uh, the season ticket renewals are just around the corner. Uh, will that influence the decision on the manager? Are they going to go for profile to try and get that boost? If they do that, it could be a mistake. If they go for Roy Keane over someone like Enzo Maresca, the only way that I see a saving grace there is if Keane was able to convince someone like Damien Duff to come back in and do the coaching duties and Keane would only be a figurehead. 
We'll have Martin O'Neill on the show tomorrow night, so we'll be able to ask him some questions uh, about Roy Keane and, and everything else. So we'll maybe get some interesting answers, uh, Paul John, tomorrow night. But good, good to have you on the show tonight. All the best to you. Thank you very much, gents. Thank Cheers. You. All the best. That's uh, Paul John Dykes from a Celtic State of Mind podcast. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Thanks to Chris with the uh, travel. Um, some more breaking news. It tends to be uh, a fairly regular occurrence here between five and seven, Monday to Friday. And it is confirmation that police are investigating separate allegations of uh, racial abuse and a reported assault following the Rangers and Slavia Prague match last Thursday, Glenn Kamara, of course, said he was racially abused by Andre Kudela uh, during that Europa League match at Ibrox last Thursday. Uh, Police Scotland spokesman is quoted as saying officers are liaising with both clubs and inquiries are continuing. Um, yeah, of course, uh, the search for evidence uh, will be underway. Um, but uh, it didn't take a lot of guesswork, did it, last Thursday, Marv, during that uh, Rangers-Slavia-Prague Europa League match where uh, Kudela uh, cupped his hand over his mouth as he was whispering or shouting into the ear of, of Glenn Kamara. Uh, and then the, the reaction of a guy who's normally Mr. Cool, Calm and Placid, uh, Glenn Kamara. I think, we, I think we know what ensued, don't we? Yeah, no, exactly. You know, no guesswork at all. Um, you know, after seeing the incident live, because I was watching the game, I didn't need, you know, for the reports come out afterwards or the, the audio, you know, was turned up and you heard Zungu shout what he did and, and Glenn shout what he did. I knew what had happened. You know, you only see a player, especially a player like him, like you said, they're a very relaxed player, have that sort of rage when something like that's said. Um, you know, I've been on the, on the receiving end of it and, and I've spoken about this in the last few days, the, the, the absolute rage that you feel when, when somebody says something like that to you, um, you know, or sends something like that to you, I, I can't explain. You know, the, the, the pain and, and, and the anger and all the emotions that Glenn would have been going through at that moment in time, also shock, um, you know, when hearing that, um, he did very, very well to contain himself. And, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart because it, it's not an easy thing to do. You know, and you saw when Connor came across and, and Glenn told Connor what was said and, and then his reaction to it. Um, you know, as I said, you know, the Rangers players, you know, reacted in, in, in the right way because they didn't get sent off. Um, but it's such a, a hard thing for me to sit here and try and explain because it's deeply upsetting. You know, it's deeply upsetting for me at home, let alone being on the receiving end of it like like those, uh, like, sorry, like Glenn was and, and the other boys here in it. Um you know, it's a tough subject at this moment in time and it's something that needs to be sorted out. I know the investigation's going on. I want it sped up. Um, you know, how hard can it be to get the, the players who were there to get their account of what went on? Um, how hard can it be to, you know, speak to everyone else that saw the aftermath and everything else and get a decision done? You know, I think that the rest of the world knows what's happened. So UEFA needs to sort this out very, very quickly. I don't want it dragging in, you know, to, to next week and, and things still haven't moved on. So... You know, it's, it's been too slow for me at this moment in time, if I'm being totally honest. And, you know, if if somebody is found guilty of racism, I want there to be a, a really harsh ban and I want there to be a huge fine. Um, you know, because until it starts hitting people in the pockets, whether that's players, fans, clubs, nothing's going to change. You know, that's the only time that this will change when, you know, a player racially abuses somebody else and they're given a year's ban, they can't provide for their family anymore. You know, they're, they're no longer, you know, able to leave the lifestyle that they've been living at this moment in time. Because then I think twice about it. At this moment in time, you say something racial, if I'm caught, if it can be proven, five or six game ban, I'm back playing again and living my life as normal. That's not good enough anymore. You know, the whole of society's had enough of it, not just black players, players of all colours. And, and, and I mean, outside of football as well, society have had enough of it. So it's time for UEFA to 
you know, stop sitting on their hands and do something about this. Yeah, it did seem as if Bongani Zungu, um, Kamara's teammate, heard exactly uh, what was said. And it did see, seem as well from some of the pictures, the, the facial reaction, even of some of Kadela's own teammates, yeah. told a story, Craig. Well, I tell you, the, the thing that stood out for me was Glenn Kamara's voice, the piercing sound of his voice because I've heard him doing TV interviews before, but it was the reaction of his voice that made me think, wow. You know, and then his face, his facial expression and his anger and disgust in his face. You spoke about it, Rob. You said when you were asking Marvin the question, a placid guy who gets kicked all over the pitch, never reacts, gets on with the game. He's a glorious football player, technically wonderful, and he has to suffer heavy tackles and people closing him down, pulling him. And he never, ever responds or has any kind of reaction. So to have that, out-of-character reaction tells me something drastically wrong has been said and that shouldn't have been said. And that's why that reaction told everything you need to know. And the fact that then that Kudela was quite sheepish and hiding behind his teammates and trying to slide out of the way, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I said earlier, it was premeditated. He had so many times in his travel from the edge of his own 18-yard box to get to Glen Kamara, he could have stopped it. And that's underlying. That's not just an, a one-off comment. That's underlying. And that was a bigger concern for me. But yeah, you know, Marvin's spot on. Too long, we've just waited and waited and waited. Action now, ASAP. Let's talk to Mac in Knightswood, who I think wants to talk Scotland squad and that Scotland game, of course, on Thursday night against Austria. Hi, Mac. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good, you? Yeah, well, thanks. What would you like to say? Uh, yeah, I was just wanting to comment on who should replace Ryan Jack in the Scotland squad. Yeah, well, at the moment, nobody. Um, who who do you want in? I uh, preferably probably Billy Gilmore or uh, Ryan Gold. Ryan Gold, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like too many times Scotland we sit back against opponents we have the quality to go and beat and let them come on to us. And I know that we play a more defensive system uh, that is structured to be set up like that, but. And that will benefit us when we go to the Euros and play better teams. But for now, against uh, all um, but Austria, who obviously are a good side, the three games coming up, I think, I mean, even Austria, I think we still have the quality to go and beat them, to be honest, because uh, pretty sure they've got Alibi and Sabitzer, who are two big players for them. Uh, so I think we should get Billy Gilmore in and he can really take the game to them uh, forward passes in possession and just keeps the ball going forward and keeps the pressure on them so that's what I'd like to see or even Ryan Gold who I think he's made the most chances in the Portuguese first league so yeah. I think that's something we should uh, try capitalise on going forward Although and uh, we've got the striker to do it so we just need the chances Although I think Mac what has happened in the last couple of days is that those uh, Bundesliga based Austrian players are because of a change in the in the system and the rules, uh, they can now travel and be part of the Austrian squad. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be pretty much full strength, Crags, I think, isn't it? It is. And, you know, just touching on Max's point there, that it's Tuesday night. Uh, the game's on Thursday. If Ryan Gold and Billy Gilmer aren't in the squad on the Tuesday night, they're not going to be called in for the game on the no. Thursday. You know, that that's not going to be the case. <laughs> it, just, it seems a bit strange that people are now being critical of the national team when they hadn't qualified for a major tournament for years to find a man who won them games, got them through to... And, and I understand it will evolve at some stage. Mm. But Steve Clark has so limited time to work with his players. He's not going to put in a new style and a new setup and a new system in to try and play in these World Cup qualifiers. He's got something in mind. He's going to stick to it through this and he's going to stick to it for the Euros. 
all you know, Marvin and I were possibly saying was, could you sprinkle a couple of youth players in round about? Not not youth. David Turnbull's twenty one, and, and Ryan Gall's twenty five, and, and Billy Gilmore must be twenty years of age or twenty one. You know, can you not get those guys in just to you know get a feel for it? Mm. Because if that's going to be the next generation coming through, you want to get them mixing with the squad. You want to get them used to the manager and the setup, and just because it's probably different from under twenty ones. You know, it's yeah. a different camp altogether. It's different setup, different style of player. You know, quality of players much better as well. So that's the reason why I was in bringing some of the younger ones. You know, not necessarily to go and change the whole style because it's a style that's won them games and has been successful. So Steve Clark isn't going to rip that up and say, well, tell you what, I've got two days. I'll probably train for, what, two hours max. I'm not going to go and try and put something new into place. So uh, I, I think there's just people have to calm a little bit. There's frustrations that some young players aren't in, but they're doing okay. It's funny, isn't it? Lots of you, uh, including Mark, uh, have been asking that very question tonight about, right, Ryan Jack's out. What are we doing? Who's coming in um, and what is happening with the squad and with the team? But I think, Marv, in terms of the team, I mean, I don't think we'd, we'd be expecting Stevie Clark to do anything out with the players uh, he's listed already in terms of team. So he's going to fill the, the Ryan Jack absence, isn't he, with, with somebody who's already in the squad. It, it might need a little bit of, mean a little bit of tinkering with that midfield. No, exactly. You know, there's a, there's a lot of players in there, a lot of players that he's worked with on, on different international caps as well. So, you know, I'm with Craggs. There, there seems to be a lot of frustration about a man who's got <laughs> Scotland to qualify for the Euros. I don't understand it. I know people might say, oh, the style of football is not great or what they want to see, but it's effective. You know, he's getting the best out of these players he possibly can. If he went to, you know, expansive, let's roll it from the back and they were losing games, people were like, well, what are we doing? We're losing too many games. Scotland's are going to the Euros playing the way they play. Nobody wants to play against Scotland because, let's be honest, the higher you go in football, the less physical contact people want. You know, the last thing that teams are going to want is Lyndon Dykes pulling on a diagonal, getting lifted up to him and you've got runners from everywhere off of him. You know, Scotland have to play to their strengths. So, you know, in terms of replacing Ryan Jack, I think you're completely right. I think he's going to work with the players he has now, especially for the Thursday's game. Maybe looking onto the Israel game he might bring somebody in but you know Turnbull, Gilmore are they going to make any difference to to the squ squad now in, in terms of going and playing? No but I agree with Craig's getting them in the setups just so they have that experience of being around these better players and knowing how things work you know that that could be something that they look forward to but I think right now he'd be focusing on the squad he's got now going into Thursday's game and then think about a replacement maybe after that. Do you take that point, Mark, that we're, we're maybe getting a little bit critical of a, of a man who's taken us to our first finals in, in 23 years and, and it should be in Stevie We Trust instead? Uh, well, I mean, yes and no. I feel like uh, I do agree to a certain extent. It is like, great and especially with how we qualified, we played a team that quality-wise are better than us and it kind of suited us, to be honest. But th that's how it's going to be in the Euros and yeah. that's why I think Stevie's system will be great. But like that makes my point even more so now. Again, if Billy was to come in, he's not going to play in the Austria game, but the other two games, teams we should beat, then he will make it more convincing. Because you got to remember the last two games we played, we had chances and so on. It was just dire. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, Steve Clark's good and stuff, and the system he plays is good against better teams and stuff. But these are teams we need to be beating. What was it? Slovenia and Israel. We lost to. It was just. The daft games that we should be putting away and would have helped us UEFA Nations League get more experience and just kind of cement ourselves as a as a better team going forward so yeah Billy Gilmore or Ryan Gold getting chances and just to make sure we win these games that we need to be winning and scoring goals we need to do that I mean we've not scored many goals at all no. full stop 
What's your idea, Crags, of of how Scotland will line up? Do you think they'll? What would your tweak be to get to get Adams and Dykes both into the team? Are we if we're working on the basis that Scotland will stick with their back three, or mm. or maybe as Declan Gallagher was telling us earlier on back five mm. with him in the middle of it? <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, I just quite like the two centre forwards. You know, I think you know that the the, the the one in behind, whether it's Iran Christie playing as a ten or John McGinn playing as a ten or, or or Ran Fraser playing as a ten, I just think going out with two out and out strikers just shows the intent of the opposition that we're coming for you. You know, we've got two guys up front who've got good mobility. Uh, Lyndon Dyke's goals have dried up. I don't think he scored. Uh, I think it was November the last time he scored. But Shea Adams has certainly got a good mobility. He's got goals in him. So that link up play. But again, Steve Clark will look at it in training and think, does it work? You know, is it working for us? Is it uh, is it something we can look at? But I I just like the two out and out strikers, and then play with a an energetic number ten and so what would your behind. what would your shape be then? Well, it'll be a three five two. Three three five three, two. Three five two with the number ten potentially or being three four what three four one two or well, well some, something yeah. something in between with the one yeah. whether it's John again. You know, because when you have your two strikers, sometimes in the three-five-two, your two strikers can get isolated. So somebody has to make that gap up. You either has to come from your wing backs, which is a long way up, continually, or your number ten in behind has to have the energy to break beyond the strikers at times. And I think John McGinn is that one that you know, there's running power and his ability to go beyond the game could just be Ryan Christie wants to link up and be nice and tidy as does Ryan Fraser. But I think a high energy number ten who can break beyond the game certainly would come onto it for me. And presumably Callum McGregor is one of your two central midfielders behind John McGinn if, if he be filling that, that role. Who would you have alongside McGregor then, Marvin, in the, in the absence of Ryan Jack? Personally, I would, I would only play one striker because that's the way Scotland have gone. Um, you know, I think Che Adams has to kind of buy his time. Um, Lyndon Dykes has been extremely effective for, for Scotland national team and the way that the Scotland team have been playing has been brilliant because, it's, as I said, it's qualified for the Euros. I know the last two games are disappointing, but you have to understand in football also, you know, when you have the high of qualifying for the Euros and, you know, the boys would have, you know, had a couple... It's very difficult then to pick yourselves up and get the next two games, you know, especially when it's in, during the same camp and, and go and play. I know people are saying they're professionals, but they've achieved something unbelievable. You know, that feeling of qualifying for the Euros must have been unbelievable. And, you know, the, the party well, they would have been socially distanced, obviously, after that, that they would have had with each other would have been fantastic. It wasn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't don't, don't mention the conga. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd be going with um, with one striker, two number 10s, so Christian and Fraser and then McGinn and McGregor behind that, just because it's the way Scotland have played and been effective in. Um, you know, if they need to, to tweak it, then obviously you have Che Adams on the bench to come in but he's got no divine right to come in and, and, and play straight away you know so I'll, I'll stick with Linda Dykes and stick with the same shape and, and go from there Mark what's your idea of uh, scoreline uh, how's that game going to go Thursday uh, realistically uh, I don't know probably 1-1 one, one. pretty drab Oh dear! <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, one, one I'd love to say that it's going to be better. I mean, one one isn't even that bad against Austria. To be yeah, honest, but we're at home. What the yeah. players? I know, but that means nothing right now. It no, means that's nothing. True. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. They've got good quality. I don't see why. Yeah, they, they'll come at us, but yeah, we could scrape a win, but I don't think we'll lose. Definitely not lose, but. Are you walking? Yeah, are you the, walking at the moment? Are you doing a ten k? Yeah, sorry. 
No, no, not at all. No, no, it just sounded like you were exerting yourself there in the process of, of adding some realism to the show, which, uh, which we like because uh, sometimes we need a little shot of realism. Um, so you're going for 1-1 and uh, it's yep. been good to have your thoughts, Mark, on, on Thursday night at Hamden. All the best to you. Enjoy your walk and uh, we'll speak to you again. That's Mark from Knightswood looking ahead to Scotland, Austria on Thursday night. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! I have been talking since about five o'clock um, about uh, running through tonight's Scottish Cup ties. Uh, but as you well know, if you're a regular listener to the show, uh, the conversation just goes where it goes and you control the agenda pretty much uh, with your calls, your questions, your points that you want to make. Uh, you just take us where we're going and uh, we're about 15 minutes from the end of yet another uh, Go Radio football show back again tomorrow at five, of course. So, yeah, it's the completion of the, the second round of the Scottish Cup. Uh, tonight, 10 weeks after the first eight ties were played. Normally by now we'd uh, know who's in the semi-finals. Uh, so it's the second round. Teams from the Championship and below uh, the Premiership clubs involved in the third round on the 3rd of April. That's not far away. Uh, and by the end of next month so it's pretty quick, we'll be at the semi-finals stage. So it's all very quick fire. The semis are on the 8th and 9th of May. The final, Marvin, case you're making a, a <laughs> date for your diary, is the 22nd of May, uh, two weeks later than planned. Just looking at some of the games uh, tonight, some interesting ones because uh, our both uh, play Falkirk, uh, are both struggling in the championship. Falkirk, League One leaders and the winners of that one, of course, uh, play yeah. at Celtic Park yeah, tracks. They do. And that's a great incentive. You know, both sides have uh, got good players. It's a tough one to call because, you know, Falkirk squad. Uh, Squad-wise, probably, and club-wise, shouldn't be in League One, but they are. They're leading League One, so they'll be hoping tonight's a little marker for them to see how they can do next season in the Championship if they manage to get themselves up. Yeah, it's Bucky Thistle uh, against Inverness. Cali Thistle, that's an 8 o'clock uh, start tonight. Most of them are, are 7.45. Uh, and the winners of that one play Ross County at Dingwall, so there's the potential there uh, for um, a Highland derby if, uh, if Inverness under Neil McCann's management, of course, at the moment, uh, get through that one. Broader Rangers against Hearts. That's a that's a fatal trip, isn't it, for the for the runaway championship leaders, Hearts, who, of course, were in the last season's cup final, which was only three months ago. It's, it, it is quite bizarre. And that, but that's that's a potential difficult one, isn't it, for for Hearts up at Broader? Yeah, I mean, you know, these games. That's why we love the, the Scottish Cup. You know, anything can happen. But you know, if you're in the Hearts camp, it's one of those. You know, we go out perform professionally and we win the game but Boris it's their cup final you know and that's what makes it so so difficult playing in these games you know they'll be thinking well listen let's go and give it everything you know if we lose 2-3-0 no one will think anything of it anyway but potential for an upset is, is absolutely massive for them but I think if Hearts you know Hearts will take care of business tonight I, I firmly believe that Do you know who you've got um, I haven't gone as far as the, my research hasn't taken me as far as the third round yet do you know, do you know who you've got third round? Um, yeah so the winners from uh, Wraith and Sterling um, will play uh, just after the international break. Ah, Sterling, Sterling Albion against yeah. Wraith tonight, right? Yeah. Okay, so you'll be waiting to see who that who the winners of that one is. Uh, to they play Livy in the next round, and and uh, there's an interesting one here as well because uh, the winners crags of uh, Dumbarton from League One mm-hmm. against Highland League Huntley. Uh, are at home to Aberdeen, Aberdeen yeah. now, now Aberdeen might get a lift uh, they would they would hope to get a lift from the appointment of Stephen Glass as manager that's just happened today if you if you didn't know that already um, but otherwise uh, w- the winner of that tie tonight will be playing a team that scored one goal in the last 10 games yeah well that's that's a very good point but you know you would like to think that Aberdeen would have enough in their locker to play Dumbarton or Huntley 
and win a game away, and, and score a goal. I mean, yeah, well, it, still, you know, you're talking about the, the Hearts players being professional, Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you probably look at it and think they'd probably rather go to Dumbarton because it's a bigger playing surface and there's more <laughs> space for them to play in, whereas Huntley will be compact and tight. You know, so, uh, but I think for Martin against Annan as well, the winners play Motherwell, so that's yep. certainly one. Uh, Motherwell away from home. So that's certainly one they'll be looking at and thinking, you know, they wouldn't fancy going to Annan and the AstroTurf possibly. Talking about Aberdeen and that appointment today, let's uh, speak to Robbie, who's an Aberdeen fan. Uh, Robbie, how are you doing? Well, hi, Rob. Good to speak to you again. And you. How's it going? Yeah, very well, uh, thanks. Uh, yourself? Yeah, all, all good with me. It, kind of excited, nervous, <laughs> a lot of things with this new appointment today. Yeah. Yeah, what what are you think? I mean, are you, are you expecting Scott Brown to be part of that management team? Well, I don't think these rumours would gain traction if there wasn't something no. there. And obviously, they've got the link with the time together at Hibs yeah. with Stephen Glass and Scott Brown. So, I know a lot of Aberdeen fans are against the idea, but I think something lacking in Aberdeen for a long time has been a weak mentality and I think Scott Brown wears trophies that he's brought to Celtic and his leadership could change the whole spectrum at Aberdeen maybe in terms of the way Barry Robson done so when he came yeah. in McInnes' first season that's kind of how I see it Yeah because I, I did see so, a, a reaction from, from some Aberdeen fans today initially just with Stephen Glass as the new manager and, and at the moment that's it they were pretty underwhelmed about that because in terms of first team football management Stephen Glass is rookie material because he's running a, a second team at Atlanta United um, in, in the MLS um, but obviously once you build Scott Brown into that appointment then it's probably anything but underwhelming Marv Yeah but you know as football fans are always so fickle he wins a few games and suddenly he's the best thing since sliced bread uh, so that's, that's just the way things are you know you have to give the new manager a chance underwhelming it doesn't matter some people have been absolutely buzzing when the manager's gone in and it's just not worked so you know I'm sure he knows what he's doing you know he's obviously spoken to the club and they're really happy with what he wants to do and the plans he has with the players that are there and in the future but like I said adding Scott Brown to that is absolutely key I think you know I spoke about it earlier the kind of the presence Scott Brown has on and off the pitch and the respect he'll demand from from those players and the raising in standards and everything else um, you know if Aberdeen want to kick on having someone like Scott Brown within the building whether he's you know playing you know games or he's not playing he's just on the sides it will be absolutely key for them and I think it will excite the Aberdeen fans you know having that kind of mixture between you know the new manager and Scott Brown definitely and it'd be something I think they'll be trying to do um, sooner rather than later I, I think, can't wait to see the first 50-50 tackle in training between Lewis Ferguson and Scott Brown. <laughs> <laughs> because I've watched them often enough playing and they've kicked lumps out of each other. Yeah. And I'm thinking, when that ball bounces up in mm. training, Stephen Glass will be shouting, stop! He'd be blowing the whistle to stop it just in case the two of them get in. But yeah, it was the, just, the sparks could fly. Yeah, it would just add an age to some players. Mm. You know, when you bring a, 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 a such a, a well-known figure into your club, got plenty of experience still get the appetite for the game if Scott Brown does go it just adds another little edge because sometimes the younger players want to impress him they want to show what they can do you know they want him to go in and raving about them so they kind of up their game a little bit trying to get up to his mantra so listen it could work all it could work both ways the only frustrating the only kind of downside I could see it is if Stephen Glass is in his first job as a sole manager you'd want your assistant manager beside you as well you know you want information coming from him mm. his assistant manager could be on the pitch so he's just got to get the balance right it was interesting uh, to read uh, Dave Cormack's quotes today, uh, Robbie, uh, about the appointment. Uh, and he, he was making a big yeah. play, as he did when he when he actually became chairman. He, he, he was making a big play 
talking about the appointment, about the fact that he wants the team uh, to play attacking, entertaining football. Yeah, um, well, we all know you've probably you've been at more Aberdeen games than I have for the Red TV coverage. We all yeah. know we've not been seeing attacking or to be fair against Dundee United did create quite a few chances but not been scoring goals or exciting the fans that much and yeah the Aberdeen philosophy and the philosophy Dave Coymack set out since coming into the club that's what he wants so if if he deems Stephen Glass to be the man to implement that and they're willing to back him because what worries me is they've got 12 players out of contract and four defenders for first-teamers and no attackers signed to next season. So I think, I hope he's got a good contact book. And as Craig and Mar have said, adding Scott Brown to it, I think he could be a pool to get players in as well. Because yeah. if I was a footballer, I'd want to play under Scott Brown, even though I'm the Aberdeen fan. And to touch on that, I've seen someone on Twitter joke in terms of winning the fans over of Scott Brown in, with challenges. Aberdeen fans were saying if he... Uh, Put a challenge in on Ryan Jack or Scott Wright. <laughs> we want to erect a statue for him. So. <laughs> yeah, it could be. There could be some interesting little confrontations uh, to come. The, the one part of that a potential appointment, because it hasn't happened yet, that we haven't really spoken about so far, and, and I guess it's pretty exciting in its own way as well, is Alan Russell, who's obviously so highly rated as a striker coach that he, he's part of the England setup yeah. with Gareth Southgate. Yeah, but, but I think Robbie said there he just needs some strikers to work with at yeah. Aberdeen because in the summer yeah. the three of them are the yeah. three of them are leaving, aren't yeah. they? The three, yeah. Of, yeah. the three of them are on loan. So, you know, that then would give him um a chance to bring in quality strikers. You know, ultimately, if he's working with the national team, he's not going to get anyone from that kind of group. But, you know, if, if Gareth Southgate has contacts, and that's another thing when you bring people in, you bring in the likes of Scott Brown, you bring in Alan Russell, you're also bringing their contacts with you. Mm. You know, the people they've known, people they've got to know, um, you know, agents and, and players and managers and, you know, clubs that, that, that they've dealt with. You're bringing in their contacts, which just opens something completely different as well. So, yeah, listen, he's done well, you know, getting himself into the England setup. He's obviously making a name for himself. If Gareth Southgate trusts him, then if Stephen Glass can, can get him on board for some of the younger strikers even you know just working in the game because clearly goal scoring this season has been a major issue and I think you look back as far as you know ever since they've lost Adam Rooney they've never really re- replaced his volume of goals although, although Sam Cosgrove had two seasons of 20 well, goals well, apiece yeah but uh, you know you look at him at the amount of penalties he had in those mm. you know I always just felt that Adam Rooney was more of a natural finisher than what yeah. Sam Cosgrove was so naturally yeah Sam Cosgrove got his, got his goals but I think Adam Rooney, season after season, is always the one they relied on to go and you know really get them up the table. It has been fizzling out, hasn't it, for for Aberdeen this season? Uh, one goal in ten, uh, one win in ten, and and the battle for third place. I mean, Hibs are all are winning that marvel almost by default. I mean, you know, had had Livingston not hit a sticky patch before you got back on stream again you would have been considerably closer and had the potential to maybe be competing for fourth or third. You still are, but, but, yeah. it's, but it's a long stretch probably to get up there. But but those two haven't really been setting the heather alight, Hibs and Aberdeen, have they? No, they haven't. You're right there. And I think that's what Aberdeen will be hoping for now. You know, the, the new manager come in, they have that kind of bounce in the, in the next five games. And, you know, they've still got to play Hibs and obviously they're playing the teams around them. So they still have a, a good chance of finishing in third place, but they need to get going straight away. 
um, you know, talking about players who are out of contract in the summer or boys who are on loan that might want to stay there. They, now, they need to now go and impress. You know, they've got five games to do it. So they, they'll be looking, the manager will be saying to them, you've got five games now to impress me, to show me that you want to be here for next season. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see an Aberdeen team that takes up one or two notches because they have to. You know, with the players they have, they even look on the bench, like people like Dylan McGee, who I played with at Hibs. Fantastic footballer. You know, players like hasn't, that... Hasn't played much. No, he hasn't. You know, he, he really hasn't. And, you know, Flo Canberra's got so much to offer as well. They've got some really good players there. They just need to, you know, almost kick on now and do something. And they've got five games to prove themselves. So, Robbie, are you a little bit happier than you were, pleased at the appointment today and, and expecting in the next day or two to have the names of Scott Brown and, and Alan Russell added on? Yeah, well, j- just to agree with Marv, kind of, in a way, I think Aberdeen do need that bounce and I ho- was hoping they'd show that fight yeah. with Sheeran and Robson, but they didn't on Saturday. And yeah. I th- feel if they do add Russell and Brown, that would be, as a trio, a lot more a better prospect, I guess, than just glass on his own. But I'm all yeah. for giving him a chance because if he's Coymuck's man, I hope he'll back him. And I, I just don't know. They've not announced when he's starting. His rumours of a 12-month rolling contract. We, we don't know if he's got to be in for the next game or what. I think the, once the club brings some more clarity, I think the dust will settle and folk will be happy enough with the appointment. Robbie, good to have you on the show. Perfect. Take care. Lovely speaking. Yeah, you too. Cheers. All Cheers, the mate. best. That's Robbie, an Aberdeen fan. Uh, we're back tomorrow night. We'll run right out of time. Thanks to Marv. Thanks to Crags as well. Back tomorrow night with Barry Ferguson and Leanne Crichton live at five. The Bull Radio Football Show. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk.